Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Deidre Everett, and I've been a part of the Crossroads family for the last 31 years. I get to serve in a couple of different roles here. First, I am part of our care team. So you may see me at the Connection Center, maybe greeting people as they come in, or I do get the privilege to pray with people in between services. Additionally, I am part of our global outreach teams. And for me, what that looks like is I just get to do life, pray for, and share the love of Jesus with internationals that are here in the United States. Well, if you have your Bible or a Bible app, if you will turn to Colossians 3, verses 1 through 4. I just want to frame up our time before Brian's message by reading the scripture that he is going to be preaching from. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above not on earthly things, for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Well, good morning, church family. We're so glad that we're here. Before we jump in, I just want to take a moment and express gratitude. I just want to say thank you for prioritizing worship as you begin this week on this Lord's Day. And I also want to say I recognize today there's probably one of two mindsets going on within the sanctuary here today. Some of you who have been around Crossroads for a number of years might just recognize me as a familiar face, but there's another set of you, maybe newer to the church body here, and you're probably just thinking, who's this grandpa character up there today? And honestly, you're both right, so just know that. But if you don't know me, my name is Brian Gower, and my wife Dawn and I moved to the Evansville area some 34 years ago this month. And over those 34 years, the two of us became five of us with the birth of our three daughters. And the five of us have now become the 14 of us by adding three great son-in-laws and six grandchildren to date. And also, thank you, it's a, it's a big crew. And also over those years, I became one of your church elders here, here at Crossroads. And if you are unfamiliar with that term, I just wanna take a moment to say the, the term elder is just a term used in New Testament scripture as men set aside to, as volunteers to lead and shepherd and protect the church. And our elders here at Crossroads, once selected by the congregation, we serve two back-to-back -back consecutive terms of three years each, and then we're required to take a one-year sabbatical, and then you're invited to start that process all over again. Phil, as our lead pastor, serves on the elder board as, law, as well as nine current volunteers, and two of which um, are also on sabbatical now. And I just wanna share with you that we're gonna have the need to add some new elders for the 2022 calendar year, because some of us um, will be starting a sabbatical year that year. And we're gonna take nominations from now through the end of May for elder, and you are invited to nominate those you think who would be ones to serve around that, that body of elders. But before you write down a name, which you can do at the Connection Center or on our website or however you choose to do that, but before you write down a name, I'm gonna ask you to do two things. I'm gonna ask you to pick up your Bible and go to 1 Timothy chapter three. And in that writing, you will find both what is called the call and the qualification of elder. And secondly, I'm gonna ask you to pray. 
Pray about the name that God would put on your heart to be in the next generation of church leaders here at Crossroads. But for now, today, we're going to continue in our study of the book of Colossians, a series we've called our 101 series. And you need to understand, as we come to Colossians 3 today, we're going to make a pivotal shift in the writing of Paul here. In the first two chapters that we've talked about over the last three weeks, we have talked about several things. The gospel, we've talked about Jesus and his supremacy, And last week we talked about our identity in him. And today we shift, today we shift from the doctrinal chapters one and two to the practical chapters three and four that we'll cover over the next few weeks. It's a very familiar terms that the writer Paul uses. If you look at some of his other books, uh, Romans chapter 12, he starts this way. Romans 12, one, Paul says, therefore I urge you brothers in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. What the writer Paul is saying there is because of what I've told you in chapters one through 11 in Romans, now I wanna tell you how you should behave because of that. He does it in Colossians here today and also in his writing in Ephesians and Philippians. So let's jump right in. Colossians three, beginning in verse one, we read these words. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Now, okay, sorry, we've got to stop already because we need to understand today in the writing of Paul who he's talking to because in this pivotal shift, today Paul says, I need to talk to you, believer. So other parties can choose to just close their ears, but Paul's gonna be in our face and say, believer, I need to tell you a few things today. Those of you who have decided to live this life of Christ, those of you who have decided to put away our old self and put on our new self, I've got a word for you today, Paul says. I also want you to understand that in the first several verses, Paul is going to lay out for us what he would call the indicative and the imperative or the standing in state of the believer. The indicative statements describe who we are. We're dead, we've been raised again, we've been hidden in Christ, we have taken off our old self and put on our new self. And then the imperative tells us then how we should behave because of who we are. So back to the scripture, chapter three, verse one. Since then you've been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things for you have died and your life is now hidden in Christ in God. I love the terminology that the writer Paul is using here today because Paul implies that if we're serious about this Christian life, then we need to start taking it seriously and act according to what it says in the scriptures. And I love that Paul gives us the perspective. He understands some of us are thinkers and some of us are feelers. And he talks to both of us in this passage. And he said, those of you who are feelers, what things stir your affections towards the Lord Jesus Christ? And to those of you that more mentally process, he said, you need to make up your mind to decide to live the life that God has put before you and what Jesus wants you to focus on. Now, as we go through this journey in chapter three today, I need to tell you a couple of things. Number one, you're not gonna like everything you have that I have to say today that you're gonna hear. And number two, as you think about it, you're probably gonna fail at it this week. So how's that for encouragement right off the bat? You're not gonna like it and you're gonna fail. But Paul says, stick with me. 
He says, you believer, you have died past tense. And that's the way he starts the passage, past tense. But I'm a big word nerd as I like to study. And I notice here that he changes tense all of a sudden from you have died to verse five. He says, therefore put to death. It's a decision every day to get up every morning and decide today, because I'm a believer, I'm gonna start acting and living like I am a believer. So let's read on in verse five. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Now, we read that list and probably some of you are thinking, man, that's a harsh, that's a heavy list. And I don't really act that way. Hang on, he goes on to verse eight to hit all of us. But now you must rid yourself of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self and the practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge and image of the creator. Now, once again, it's, it's sometimes easy to read a list of terms like this and a list of terms that we're supposed to take out of our life and think, mm, I, I really don't live that way. I wanna step out of this passage for just a moment and take you to the writer John in 1 John chapter one, where he says in verse six, if we claim to have fellowship with him, and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. And in verse eight, he says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And in verse 10, it says, if we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. So you see, if we take that attitude of this list is not us, then either number one, we're lying to ourselves or number two, we're making him out to be a liar which he most certainly is not. Now to age myself once again for you, I wanna share with you that back in the day here at Crossroads when we had Sunday school, I taught high school Sunday school and I taught high school freshmen for about a 20 year run. And in those years and with those audiences, I would have totally sat down with Colossians chapter three and all I would have done is went straight to this word list. Here's all the terms that you need to know and take out of your list. And I'd go one by one and I would go definition by definition and explain them to the students. And then I would go to the positive list that we'll get to in just a few minutes. But for today in our setting, I want us to categorize this somewhat. It's like three broad categories of the lifestyles that Paul tells us in Colossians. You need to think about taking off some of these things out of your life. And he would categorize them as inappropriate passions and hot tempers and sharp tongues. Now, please know in each one of those categories, there's a sublist of all the words we need to get rid of, but let's think about those categories. And he says, let's think about those inappropriate passions. And clearly he spells it out that that is sexual immorality. Now on the negative side of this, we need to understand that the pornography industry continues to flourish and that those among us who choose not to remain faithful to their spouses, that number grows and grows. And the sad reality without giving you the statistics, it's really no different inside the walls of the church or outside. That is the sad reality of the world that we live in. But on the positive side, know this, God created sexual intimacy 
And he did so all the way back in Genesis for the husband and wife in the bonds of marriage. And outside of that definition, friends, is not up to be a part of the believer's lifestyle. But Paul does not stop there. He said, what about your hot tempers? None of us have that problem, right? We can control our anger all the time. The reality is we cannot. And think about how that comes within us. Sometimes it's just that slow simmer. Then we let it set for a while until the day that it just explodes in our anger. Or for some of us, it's that quick, sudden outburst and we cannot control what's gonna happen. And the national news is filled. It's filled, friends, with how people react in their anger and their rage and their malice. And before we think, sitting here in little southern Indiana, that the problem's just out there, read the local news, friends. Just in the last two weeks, here are the headlines that I picked up from my news app. Henderson County man charged after shots fired run in Evansville. Man shows up at Evansville Hospital after being shot four times. One person hospitalized after robbery and police investigating after a home is hit by gunfire in Owensboro. Friends, I pray, I pray that grieves your heart each and every time you hear one of those headlines. And for us as the believer to think, wow, I need to be loving people better. And then he goes on to say, what about your mouths? We really don't wanna talk about that, do we? And he uses words like slander, which is really just our cutting down of others, really for the attempt to make ourselves look better in our lives. And our choice of words, the hurtful, harmful words that we say to one another, and you have them, you have them in your life. I can tell you with all honesty, the most hurtful words ever said to me and the ones that haunt me and linger in my mind, even as a grandpa today, are words said to me by my own family of origin. So think about those things, whether it's words that have been said to you that have hurt you and haunt you or words that you say that you will never get the opportunity to take back. The writer here says you need to think about how we use our mouths and how our words can be hurtful or harmful or how they can be a word of encouragement to those around you. Here's this hard list that he gives to us. And I said you wouldn't like it much today. So I wanna give you some practical advice and I wanna invite you to think about this week, what are some guardrails you can put up in your life to try to tackle this list of behaviors that we're supposed to take off of ourselves? Just think practically and simply. So for example, commit that you are never gonna be in a one-on-one -on -one meeting with a person of the opposite sex. Now, if that does, cannot be done in your place of employment, then do this. Never be in that meeting without a door open or without a glass-walled office or someone who can hear your conversation. And what about your temper? Can you decide to put a guardrail in life that I'm gonna to choose to listen more and speak less? Or perhaps I'm going to listen first and process what I have just heard before I speak and say something that I will regret. Paul says, believer, you used to live this way but he's calling us to live a different life. And he's getting ready to go in then to the positive part of the passage here and say, here's some things that we need to put on. But before he gets there, there's this verse 11 sandwiched in between the list of behaviors we should get rid of and the list of behaviors that we should put on. 
Colossians 3.11 says this, Here then there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. Now we can read that verse and get all excited because it says we're all in this together, right? And Christ is with us. And it does partially. So many people take this verse out of context and think that gives total freedom to every person, to every lifestyle, to every choice, to everything that we do. And if you study the scripture as it is, understand that Paul is talking about salvation. Now salvation is free to all who would come to him. But the verse there sandwiched in the middle, again, we're talking about the believer and salvation. So we need to read the text as the writer says. But then he goes on, we'll get to verse 12. But now you've decided to live with Christ as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. Clothe yourselves with compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience and bear with one another and forgive as God forgave you and over all these things. Cloud them, cover them with love, which binds them all together. It's a familiar list. Again, Paul uses it again in his other writings. When he talks to the church of Galatia uh, in Galatians 5, in verses 22 and 23, familiar to you, hopefully, he'll says, but the fruit of the Spirit is this. It's love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. And Paul's a very practical writer which is why I love most of his New Testament writings. He says, you know what? This list of terms, clothe yourselves with them. That makes it easy for us to understand, right? Most of us choose to change our clothes every day. Most of us. It's a part of who we are, right? We get up, we get ready, we put on a fresh set of clothes every morning. And for full confession, I will tell you, if you know my wife Dawn and I very much, you know we, we probably have an unhealthy obsession with a nice wardrobe. But men, like most of you, it took Dawn a few years in our, to train me about what a good wardrobe was supposed to be. And there were several times in our early years of marriage that I would get up in the morning, get ready, and come out of the bedroom, and I'd be greeted with, you gonna wear that? Now, I heard it with a question mark, but as you all laughed, you know, there's no worse, no question in that when my wife spoke to me. It was a comment with a period at the end that meant, go change your clothes, you're not leaving the house looking like that. And the writer Paul says this, that we should do that each and every morning. He says, why don't you get up every morning and look in the mirror and let God say to you, you're gonna wear that today? Why not instead put on a little more compassion and a little more kindness, and a little more humility, and a little more gentleness. Because friends, you see, our humility just needs to be our freedom from self-assertion and pride. And our gentleness, I hope you understand that gentleness is great power under great control. And it's a mindset that I can choose today not to stand up for my own rights, but I can choose to love each other and elevate them above myself. And that's me being gentle with my fellow man today. And Paul tells us over all these virtues, put on love, cover everything that you have just put on today in love. You've heard us say, if you're a member of Crossroads, a lot over the last two years, live in love like Jesus. And I hope you know that is not some trendy church catchphrase that we're trying to use, but it's Jesus saying each and every day, 
live in love like me. So friends, how are you living? And how are you loving? So I pulled my small group a couple of weeks ago when I found that I would be speaking today and I used them as my guinea pigs. And I said, we're gonna read through Colossians 3 tonight and I want you to tell me what stands out to you in this passage. And one of the members of my small group said, you know, as I read this, I think this is serious business. And we as Christians need to act seriously. And another friend of mine went immediately to verse 15 that just says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful. And he said, you know what? Why shouldn't that be the filter that we run everything through in our lives? The peace of Christ. I wanna invite you to go on a little journey with me for a moment and we're gonna step out of Colossians 3 and I wanna talk about Peter for just a moment. You remember Peter in the New Testament. He was one of the early on picks to be a follower of Jesus. He was outspoken and he was impetuous and he loved his friend Jesus dearly. But as the time grew near for Jesus to be crucified, Peter, well, he panicked a little bit. Now, at first he was bold and he cut off the ear of one of Jesus's accusers, but then over the next several hours, he would deny three times that he was ever with Jesus or that he even knew him. And then the rooster crowed and then he locked eyes with Jesus. But a short time later, post-resurrection, Jesus meets Peter for breakfast and he says, friend, come over here and sit down with me. And as they ate their fish for breakfast, Jesus starts asking Peter a few questions and he says, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? And Peter says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Then feed my lambs. And again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And he said, well, take care of my sheep. And a third time, Jesus said to him, Peter, do you truly love me more than these? And Peter was hurt at this point in time. And he said, Jesus, you know all things. You know that I love you. And he said, then feed my sheep. What if Jesus came over this week and invited you out to breakfast? Now, he might not serve fish and you might not sit by the seaside, but Jesus might call you and say, hey, meet me at Starbucks. Let's have a cup of coffee. And I want to ask you some questions. And what if Jesus sat down with you and he said to you, friend, do you love me? And most of us are going to respond, sure, Lord, you know that I love you. And he might reply to us, if you truly love me, then why do you choose to continue to live with your inappropriate passions and with your hot tempers and with your lying tongue? Friend, do you love me? Jesus, you know that I love you. And he might say to you, friend, then why not get up this morning and be more gentle with your spouse or have more humility with your coworker or have more goodness with your neighbor or simply live a life of joy today? Do you love me? 
I hope by that point you're pretty cut to the heart and you're going to say, Jesus, you know that I love you. And Jesus might say to you, you going to wear that? You going to live like that today? You see, every day we get to get up and start afresh and we get to start anew and we get to put on a new set of clothes and we get to walk out of our homes and we can either decide that it's gonna be a day filled with anger and rage and inappropriate things or it can be a day. It can be a day like no other day where you can say, come on, Jesus. I'll choose to wear those attributes today and I'll choose to live in love like you live in love so that maybe somebody else will get to sit and have breakfast with you someday. Let's pray, friends. Jesus, we thank you. Thank you for the bold writings of Paul in the letter to the church at Colossae. And thank you even more so that you speak to us today, God. And God, I pray in these moments that you would call to mind to each and every one of us, what's the part of my wardrobe, my daily life that I need to put to death? And Jesus, fill that void up with all things Jesus, with all things of who you are. Fill us with compassion and gentleness and humility and love for our fellow man. And Jesus, we know you don't leave us alone. And we know that you're there to carry us when we can't make it, God, on our own. Because you see, God, we know we're not enough without you. But with you, we have freedom in Christ and hope of eternity in Jesus' name. Amen.